I was exercised about a portion, but I'd never ministered in German before. I could understand pretty well everything, but finally it just seemed the Lord pushed me to get up and say, I, you know, apologetically, I'm from America. Uh, English is my normal language, but there's something on my heart. And the Lord helped me to minister that night in German, and it seemed that the Lord used it. Everyone was encouraged. I was encouraged myself, and that was the that was the first of many times. This is the Lord. I mean, the Lord showed me that He could use me even in German, not just in English. If the Lord wants you to do something, by all means do it. Mm-hmm. Trusting Him to give you the strength and the wisdom and whatever else is needed for that. Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Hello and welcome again for another episode of Patterns of Truth. We have an interesting episode today. Um, we will be doing an interview with a special friend of mine. He'll introduce himself in a little bit, Brother Eugene Vetter. Actually, I uh, met Brother Eugene through his son and his daughter-in-law a while back. And uh, after that, we became close friends. Brother Eugene, you want to say anything about yourself Well, I am what I am by the grace of God. (laughs) And uh, I have three sons, so I think it was Sam that you met me through, right? Correct, correct. And so you're married and you have three sons. Do you have any daughters? Two daughters. Two daughters, wonderful. Okay, so we're just going to chat a little bit, you and I. Could you tell me first how you met the Lord? Well, I was about six years old. I don't know the date. It may have been, you know, five or seven, but I was about six years old. And Brother E.C. Hadley, the grandfather of Tim Hadley, mm. the brother who started Grace and Truth, was in Kenosha ministering. He was full-time in the Lord's work, and he had supper with us. And I can't remember details other than that my father, my mother, Brother Hadley, and I kneeled at a light blue, uncomfortable for me, sofa that we had. And that's where I accepted the Lord as my Savior. The Lord used Brother Hadley in my early life on a number of occasions. It seemed that mm-hmm. at crucial points, the Lord just sent him across my path. I'm very thankful to him. That's wonderful. Maybe we'll be able to talk about this a little bit more. Well, first, so you were saved when you were very young. How did you know for sure that you're saved? Well, I tell you, I had struggles with that. And my mother, who loved me and I'm sure wanted to help me, was no help in that because <laughs> I have, I'm the oldest of four boys. And if I get into difficulty with my next brother particularly... Or if I if I would talk back to my parents or something like that, 95% of my problems have been with my big mouth. Uh, sure. My mother would often say, and you say you're a Christian? Is that the fruit of the Spirit? Mm. And at night before, when I went to bed, I'd be on our knees. Lord, you know I came to you then and then. But if I didn't come the right way, I'm coming now. 
I don't know how many times I quoted the verse to the Lord, them that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Hmm. And yet uh, this went on for about approximately six years, I would say, that I often had some doubts. I knew I had accepted the Lord. I loved the Lord. Mm -hmm. I was, I believe, growing spiritually. But there was this problem. And I, I don't want to say I blame my mother because, uh, you know, I had a conscience too. And the conscience uh, would tell me sometimes, well, you know, this is out of place for a Christian. Sure. And uh, so you struggled for a while. And when did you feel or did you know for sure that you know the Lord? What happened? Is it, Was there a specific well, incident that... Well, I really felt I knew the Lord. And yet these questions would throw me sometimes. Mm -hmm. When I was 12 years old, my next brother and I were sent to Bible camp as a punishment. <laughs> and I will say that this is the best punishment my parents ever gave me. But there at camp that year, for me, it was a blessing. And I was baptized at, at Riverside Bible Camp mm. that year. There were 22 of us that got baptized in the Wapaka River. I was one. And I have to say, since that time, I've had very little question with doubts. Doubts, yeah. The reason, I can, I can go on record with this, I guess. Okay. The brother Campbell, Ray Campbell, had started the camp two mm -hmm. years prior to that, and he would send out a flyer, and on the flyer was always a day schedule for the camp. Now, I was a Christian. I was interested in going to places where I'd hear the word and so on, but I looked at that schedule, and my brother looked at that schedule. We had a cousin whose mother was saved and in, in the assembly, his father was not saved. My cousin was just between the two of us in age. He was not saved and we boys didn't know, but uh, his mother wanted to send him to camp in hopes that he would get saved there. Uh -huh. You know, my brother and I sat down with him. We went through the schedule. We figured out we would be either in a meeting or having to, you know, be reading our Bibles or something for six and a half hours a day. And for us as, as boys, 12 and 11 years old, it was a little bit too much, you know. Yeah. And uh, so when we showed him that, well, he didn't want to go to camp. And his father, being unsaved, said, no, he doesn't have to go to camp then. My parents, when they found out what had happened... I said, you have never been there. You don't Fine. know what it's like. You say you're Christians. You've talked to your cousin out of it. And as a punishment, you will go to camp. And like I say, the best punishment my parents ever gave me. But that cousin is in hell now. And I feel it's partly my fault. Uh, it's normal for uh, young people and young adults to uh, struggle with uh, knowing if they're saved or not. It seems like we all struggle with it at some point, but uh, the Word of God clearly explains to us that when we're saved, we need to be saved only once. Um, right. And it's not because of our work or anything we've done, but because of the Lord's work. And if the Lord's work is complete, there's no need to fear anything. And we can't add anything to it. Absolutely, exactly. We can't add anything to it. Well, this is a neat story. So my understanding, Brother Eugene, that you've been serving the Lord for uh, for some time. How long you've been serving the Lord? 
Well, I left the Chicago conference the 7th of September, 1954, going with a brother who was doing Bible teaching in schools in Tennessee at that time. I went to help him with that. I felt this was what the Lord uh, was wanting me to do. So it's been over 66 years. Mm, 66 years. Yeah. Very neat. So how do you serve the Lord? Let's start there. Well, when I was in East Germany, I was sometimes asked, Brother, what is your gift? Mm. By that time, I had realized that there were gifts that I didn't have. But I, I would tell these brothers, I think my gift is to be of help. Mm. I'm not the brother who starts big projects and so on. But I've been involved in helping on, on a number of projects in the course of the years. And, of course, this has involved teaching the Word also. Well, I guess I have to leave it with that. Do what the Lord gives me to do. Absolutely. Uh, I've done a fair amount of written work, uh, editing, mm -hmm. even translating and so on. So one of the things you've done is you traveled much. Um, yes. To different places in the United States and different countries. Is there a specific uh, incident or a story that you can tell the young people that would be encouraging for them? Well, one or two, or more, if if you desire. Well, it's hard to know really what to say from all the experiences that the Lord has given. But my wife Madeline and I went to Europe the first time in September of 1976. Mm. And it was I was not born. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, we went to the Zurich Conference in Switzerland. At that time, it was an annual conference about the second weekend in September. Then we went, we visited in French Switzerland for a few days. And uh, then we went to the Dillenburg Conference in Germany. It was interesting. Uh, I suppose I could say this. There was a, an elderly couple from the assembly in Siegeneiserfeld who had come to Wisconsin uh, earlier that year visiting relatives. And they were at the Zurich conference and their relatives were there. Well, this brother didn't know any English. And at the Wassel conference that year, I had sat next to him and occasionally given him a little idea translating a little idea of what was what was being said. At Zurich, this couple, when they found out we were going to Dillenburg, they said, you'll have to have supper with us one night. Okay, we agreed to that. Dillenburg was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all day. The evenings were, one went to a meeting wherever one was staying, because at that time there were about, about 1,200 brothers at this conference. Amazing. And... Uh, they would be quartered in homes in that area. And there were a number of assemblies there. Well, anyway, we had supper. This couple from Kenosha was there also. And after supper, the brothers said, we have meeting tonight. And uh, they lived right practically next door to the meeting hall. So we walked over there and this old brother pushed me into the front row. I mean, everything was new to me over there pushed me into the front row and said, you sit next to me. We had been at a meeting in another assembly the night before. A brother from Switzerland had ministered the word. I felt very nicely. Well, the meeting started. We sang a hymn. The brother prayed. And we sat there. Five minutes. Ten minutes. 
I think it was close to 15 minutes. I was exercised about a portion, but I'd never ministered in German before. I could understand pretty well everything, but but finally it just seemed the Lord pushed me to get up and say, I, you know, apologetically, I'm from America. Uh, English is my normal language, but there's something on my heart. And the Lord helped me to minister that night in German. And it seemed that the Lord used it. Everyone was encouraged. I was encouraged myself. And that was the that was the first of many times I've ministered in East Germany and West Germany. Of course, now it's all one. Uh, I've had to be translated from German when I've been in Poland, when I've been in the Czech Republic, when I've been in Brazil the first time at least, a time or two, probably elsewhere. But <laughs> anyway, as I think of it, I mean, it, the Lord wanted me to speak. I was afraid to get up. And yet... Then I was told after the meeting that they had invited me for supper that night so that I could minister in the meeting that night. And they hadn't told me a word about that. <laughs> but this, this is the Lord. I mean, the Lord showed me that he could use me even in German, not just in English. If the Lord wants you to do something, by all means do it. Mm-hmm. Trusting him to give you the strength and the wisdom and whatever else is needed for that. Right. Yeah, I often fall into the trap of uh, thinking, hey, I'm not talented in this. I really have a burden to do this, but I, I'm not talented. So maybe someone else should do this. But uh, You're not alone in that. <laughs> I would say this. A few days later, we were in another meeting, and a meeting where Eckhart Bubenzer used to live, and that's where I got acquainted with him. And he would often bring brothers from abroad who came to the Dillenburg Conference there to minister. That was the assembly where my father grew up. He was 21 when he came to America. Well, that afternoon, I felt the Lord leading me to minister the word there. And I did, in German. Second time I ministered in German. And afterwards, I was sitting in the car. We were waiting for somebody to come. And a couple of old sisters came by and they said to Eckhart, They said, we're so glad that the brother who was visiting this afternoon spoke German and that you didn't have to translate him because when it's sentence by sentence translating, they didn't understand English. And for them, it was, they told him it was difficult. It was a great encouragement to me. They didn't say anything to me, but but I was glad that these old sisters had gained from the meeting. So the Lord gives encouragement along the way. There have, been, there have been many times of discouragement too, but uh, the Lord loves to encourage. Hmm. I'm sure serving the Lord comes with challenges. Yes. Um, so, and I'm sure that you've been through many challenges while you're serving the Lord through the 50, 65 years. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about this, if it's okay with you, and how you handled it, and how can we learn from this? Well, you know, the Lord moved us, this brother who with whom I started to work. He moved us from Tennessee to North Carolina very quickly. The work was closed in Tennessee by the school authorities. It was 1954. There was still a little Bible in schools in the South. I grew up without any of that. We taught Bible and did scripture memory work for three years in Alexander County, North Carolina. And it was a tremendous privilege. Every two weeks, we had the potential to bring 
God's word to 2,200 children, first through eighth grade. And many of them said Bible verses to us. But then the, that work was closed also by the school board. And a short time after that, the first, uh, the two brothers, uh, you know, my, this brother and I had been breaking bread together, just the two of us. Within three months after the work in the schools was closed, the first local people asked us if they could break bread with us. A little assembly started. And then a few years later, we ran into a real problem. It involved the brother that I had been working with for a number of years. We were very green, very new. I was one of the two older brothers, one of the two original brothers in that meeting in my early 20s. And uh, anyway, we really did not do all that we should have in discipline at that time. And there were real problems for several years because of that. I think we should have really counseled with, with others what to do in a difficult situation. Mm. And uh, anyway, we did what we could, and there were problems for a number of years, but the Lord was bigger than the problems. And sure. The Lord did bring us through that after some years. I don't know if, if that answers your question. Yeah, you know, part of my question is, I, I'm sure you traveled to closed countries too. Oh, yes. Uh, served the Lord there and shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus with places that restricted evangelism. How, how did you handle this? And did you have any challenges from the government? And tell us a little bit more about this. Well, the Lord took care of that, really. Hmm. The main country where I ministered the word a number of times, which was basically closed, I went as a tourist to East Germany. The second time I was in Europe, I was able to get to that country. I had been praying much for people behind the Iron Curtain. The first time I went, just a couple of times, I didn't realize I was being tested by my brethren there. Apparently, I passed the test because I was told years so later that uh, I was welcome to come back. <laughs> and, <laughs> When I did go back, I mean, every time you had to go across a checkpoint, Charlie, and there was the Berlin Wall, and yeah. and you were grilled by the the ladies in the customs and immigration there. Uh, it seemed that they had light blue eyes that could look right through you. They were very hard women. I've often wondered what happened to them since. But the Lord helped, and I ministered in a number of assemblies there. And never ran into difficulty with the authorities. In fact, this one brother who had helped to, to arrange things for me, I always had to stay in a hotel when, when I was there. And in Berlin, it was a, one, a very nice hotel. They, of course, had to be paid in advance with American money. And, and this brother would come up to meet me in the morning after breakfast, and he would say, let's pray. And we knew the room was bugged. So we would get on our knees and we would pray. And we, we prayed in German, of course, that was his wow. language. Yeah. And we prayed for the authorities too. Mm. And we never got into any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and there were, you know, I got to hear a lot about what was going on. The, bre the brethren were, were careful, but on the other hand, they were bold. Mm any of them. Once I, when I was over there, I was asked, if, when they got to know me, if I would take a copy of a manuscript with me across the border. It was in Czech, and it was the 
the manuscript of a translation of, I believe, the book of Leviticus by C.H. McIntosh. And they said that there are only two copies of that in existence. Mm. And they asked me to take that across to West Berlin and see that it got to a certain printer in Holland who would print copies of that for the brethren in the Czech Republic. And they were being persecuted more than the brethren in West in East Germany were at that time. Well, to, mm. to come to Checkpoint Charlie at close to 10.30 at night, dark, I'm alone, and here there's a sentry there. He gets me into conversation. And I figured, well, this is the last opportunity they will try to trap me or something. Brethren had always, you know, I went as a tourist officially. Yeah. Brethren had always taken me to one touristy thing while I was over there so that I would have something to say if I was quizzed. And uh, this man asked me, you know, how I'd enjoyed my time and so on. Well, I was nervous, but uh, I could talk to him. I'd had to hand in my passport 10 minutes later. It came back and I could go through one one iron gate after another, you know. I mean, they sure. were. But this was, uh, to me, it was interesting. And, but the Lord always brought me through. Mm, yeah. I, I never had a problem there. Mm. So regarding this also, Brother Eugene, often we forget that the Lord can make miracles. And sometimes we have, we don't have as as much faith. It's a weird question for you, but have you seen the Lord do miracles in your life? I believe so. Hmm. I believe he sent an angel to help me one time, which I didn't recognize at the time. But looking back, I really feel he did. And it was, I was asked to go to India where I'd been a few times before. This was in 2015. Very difficult to get a visa that time. It just seemed troublesome. There was a problem over there and they want me to, the brethren here wanted me to go that somebody from North America would be there, somebody who knew a little about India. Well, finally I was able to get a, a visa to go. Then I had a physical problem. That night I started, it was a bad night, stormy. My plane was delayed. They told me to go home try again the next day. I said, no, I'll get the first part of my four-part journey tonight. I'll go as far as Washington, D.C. I'll just wait for that plane. Mm. By the time I got to Washington, D.C., my next plane was up in the air on the way to Dubai. Well, okay. And the brother who was going to meet me at the airport couldn't because there was sleet on the ground. Mm. And he was an old brother and uh, bad eyes. So, he put me up in a motel there and made arrangements. Next day he came, I was at his home, nice meal with him, fellowship. And all at once I had to go to the bathroom and anyway, didn't make it. Clothes had to be washed. And so, diarrhea. Mm. Okay, I was there. My suitcase was there. Clothes got washed. Got my next flight that night. Came to... The Arabian Peninsula, the United Arab Emirates, and the plane couldn't land. They circled around, circled around. The airport was fogged in, they said. Mm. Well, the plane landed, it was late. So my plane taking off for New, De New Delhi was late. And uh, I came to New Delhi, had to go across, the, across India to the East Coast to via Javada. And uh, where to go? Where to catch the plane? Couldn't get directions. I was asking here and there. And finally, I got up to information, and I could see the long, long line going through security ahead of me. They told me at information my plane was already was already loading, and 
I wouldn't make it through that line. I could see that. And all at once, a man walks up to me from that direction and says, can I help you, sir? Those things don't happen in India. Mm. I explained what I what my problem was. We went to the line. The guards at the end wouldn't let us in. We went more or less to the middle between those guards. He spoke to some people inside there. They opened us up, let us in. Mm. We could go right to the front, got checked through. This man took my heavier piece of carry-on luggage. I had the lighter one. And we ran to the plane. He was standing in the door. He got there ahead of me. He was standing in the doorway when I came. I got into the plane. He was gone. The door was shut. We took off. Mm. Came to Via Juwada on the other side. And my baggage didn't come off. How was I going to get along? Philip Svetlik was there to meet me. I explained. We went to the Air India office. Made a claim for the baggage. He said they would, they would ultimately bring it. And he took me to the Tenali conference, where I had been scheduled to speak a half a dozen times in a four-day conference. I got there with two hours of the conference left. I was able to give greetings from the brethren in North America. I had lunch, and then this meeting that, uh, that I had come for, which I had really felt all along the way Satan was trying to hinder me from getting there. And I had thought I could sit back and just be there because I'm a North American. As it was, the Lord used me there to open up the word and some difficulties that were being taken up there. And I realized then, you know, how the Lord had, with all the hindrances that Satan tried to put in the way, all these little personal problems with planes and whatever it was, my my own diarrhea. Well, the Lord had overcome all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that the man that met me at New Delhi and got me onto the plane that that was not a man. Mm. Yeah, the Lord takes care of his children. He does, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my my luggage came three and a half days after I was in India. <laughs> when I got to where the uh, the missionary brothers were the night that I came, well, Philip had called ahead and they had some fresh clothes there for me. Mm. So it was, the whole trip was backwards and it was of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Brother Eugene, we're reaching the end of our episode. And I was wondering, before we end, are there any pieces of advice that you would like to share about serving the Lord? Well, it's, it's hard to know what to say, advice. By all means, the Lord, the Lord has to be first. Mm-hmm. And don't do things because you, this is what you want to do. Be sure that the Lord is directing. Get counsel if you can, but... The main thing is to, to be before the Lord. Pray. Be sure that that he wants you to do it. And don't look for glory for yourself. Hmm. Don't expect recognition. If the Lord wants you to do something, there will be opposition. And the hardest part of opposition is when it comes from your brethren whom you love and to love you. That is often the hardest part of opposition. I ran into uh, that on numerous occasions, especially in the early years. Now that I'm so old, I don't get it any much anymore. (laughs) But but anyway, put the Lord first in your Mm -hmm. life. He is faithful. You can count on him. 
and he can help you. If he wants you to do something, the strength and the wisdom and all that has to come from him. It's not going to come because you've you studied, you know so much, so... Or you're talented. Can't right? trust yourself. Right. The glory goes back to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And he is faithful. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. No, thank you so much for allowing us to spend some time and have a fun discussion together. It's been a blessing to me, and I'm sure it's going to be a blessing to many others. Well, may the Lord use it for, for his purposes. Thank Amen. you, Peter, for, for the interview. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, this is it for today's episode. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out patternsoftruth.org, where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.